podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match raw on AI Pro. We're doing this live on Discord as well, so if you're listening to us live, do join in there in the chat and we'll try and get to a couple of your comments if we have an opportunity at all. I am podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland and I am Trev Denny and I'm joined to give their immediate reactions to Benfica 1, Liverpool 3 in the Champions League from the Estadio de Luz uh, by Dave Hendrick and Carl Magic. Dave, um, a, a very, very odd game. Um, we, to be to be fair, absolutely destroyed the opposition in the first half, offered them a window of opportunity in the second, and then struggled to get what I think was overall a deserved result in the end, uh, at, at, at late in the day. Um, overall, it's tremendous uh, away result to take home into that second leg. Not quite in the category we're all hoping for where the tie was dead, but at the same time, not a million miles off that. No, no, not a million miles from it at all. I, I like you, thought our first half performance was as close to perfect as you were going to get for a team that had never played together before. Like that 11 have never started a game before. And there was a couple of little hiccups early on. The first 15 minutes was a bit frenetic. And then once we settled into the game, once Thiago found his rhythm, once Naby started finding the little pockets of space space that he operates in, we were just dominant and all over them. And if we had brought our finishing boots, and if a couple of our players were maybe an inch or two taller, were probably 5-0 up at half time because we missed a couple of big chances there was one what should have been big chance that was just a little bit too too high for Mo. And they offered so little. They had one shot that I can remember in the first half that troubled Allison. Didn't even trouble him all that much. It was pretty much straight down his throat. And, you know, you just felt like we could control this game. Second half, they came out, got their goal because one of our players made a mistake. It got a little bit frenetic again. And then Klopp made his change, changes. And I thought they badly affected us. I thought we lost all our shape. We lost all our control. And up until about 80, I felt like if there was going to be another goal, they were as likely to get it as us. And then they seemed to run out of steam. We get our third. And then we should have gotten a fourth right at the death. We, sh- we should have scored six or seven tonight. We were We were very, very good for a big patch of the game. And then the last 10 minutes or last even six, seven minutes as they ran out of steam. But we'll take the win. Absolutely. 3-1. Finally got to see the midfield that most sensible people have wanted to see for a long time. All things considered, you can't really be too upset. And, and City had an absolutely horrible evening playing against Diego Simeone's band of shithouses. 
who dug trenches and parked buses all over the Etihad and they escaped a 1-0 victory, but they now have to go to Madrid and hold on to that, which means Sunday becomes really tricky for them, whereas for us, we're in a more comfortable position now. Yeah, with everyone with a little bit of um, time in their legs and uh, hopefully um, Fab's injury aside, uh, looking comparatively healthy as well. These are all good things. And Carl, I mean, to say that we're handily placed going into the second leg would be a kind of an understatement because we are at home and we know what that means. Um, did you see enough from them to suggest that there will be a very real challenge facing the Reds uh, in order to progress to the semi um, when we uh, play that return match? Well, yeah, sure. If if we're not on our game, and not just in tonight's first leg, but also against Ajax, to be fair, where they were they were behind a couple of times and provided the kind of response that they needed and the fight to come back from behind more than once. So, if you're not on your game at this stage of the Champions League against this level of opposition and better, of course you're going to struggle. And I think, in all honesty, the the big strengths that we saw from Benfica tonight with how quickly they can play into spaces and how quickly they get forward people in support counterattacks. If Liverpool were still playing in the same way as they were, let's say, three years ago, maybe four years ago, yeah, I'd, I'd worry that there was still another 3-1 in this tie, and it could go either way. But you know, the way Liverpool tend to play now is a lot more controlled, uh, a lot more dominance for larger spells in matches. Yes, we give up some counter-attack and spaces and all the rest of those things that make commentators get very, very excited and think that we're going to concede five times somehow, but we don't, really. We know how to play that way, and we know how to control the game and the territory of the where the game is played. And unless Liverpool are imaginably bad in the second leg, I don't foresee any way of us giving up so many chances that they do score at least twice. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair assessment. And, and look... There's lots of interesting things to talk about in relation to them and in relation to us. And we should probably do that most effectively by looking at the details of the match itself. So we'll try and get ourselves towards that. Before we do, as per usual, we'll take a quick chat about the lineups. Uh, as Dave said, um, the midfield of Fab, Thiago and Naby Keita is one that has been long desired uh, to be viewed by many Reds. Uh, an opportunity to see that this evening from uh, Jurgen, who only other change there in that um, defensive and midfield area was to bring in Ibu Kanate for Joel Matip. And he went with a front three of Salah, Mane and Diaz, and basically everybody's on the bench. So it's all looking pretty rosy for Liverpool. I don't think anyone could have argued about that lineup, and I suppose there are sort of little quibbles you might make as regards which is the most important game, this one or the one at the weekend, and do you have to do certain things? And I, I don't see that he got anything too wrong there at all. I was pretty happy with that. Feel free, both of you, to chime in on the Liverpool lineup if you think there's a, a, a point of significance uh, to do so. But I'm very interested to talk about the opposition um, with you guys because, like I say, uh, you're both more in the know about them than I am. And they started out, uh, uh, you've got to love any team that's got a lot with, with the name of Decius and Golds. That's tremendous, uh, mythical already. They had Gilberto, Grimaldo, Vertonghen, Everton, uh, Darwin Nunes, uh, Rafa, uh, Weigel, Otamendi, Tarapt, and uh, Ramos. And that's the kind of numerical order as opposed to the order of the players on the park. Um, they've an interesting setup. 
maybe get you to talk to me, Carl, a little bit about that shape that they play in. And then I might look at one or two of the players in a little bit more detail with Dave in a sec. So just in terms of how um, they are set up, uh, uh, was it typical tonight of what they've done so far? Um, and was that their premium lineup? In other words, can we expect to see pretty much that 11 again at Anfield? I wouldn't expect it to be too different. I think the only thing I would say is that maybe Gonzalo Ramos, the, the second forward that they had, probably played a little bit deeper tonight than he would do domestically. Um, there's n- not. I wouldn't say that there was a clear one and two between him and Roman Yeremchuk, but obviously against a, a bigger opponent, there's sometimes a bit of a switch to 4-4-1-1. The two wide players that they have, very, very narrow uh, out of possession and then very high and very quick to stretch play on the counter-attack and when they're in attacking areas. So, you know, whether it's a 4 4 sorry, a 4 or a 4 one doesn't really matter too much in terms of the, the general setup of them. They will always have one of the forwards dropping in out of possession. Nunez, obviously, leading the line is the main guy and you could see a lot of that tonight with his channel running. You could see a lot of that with his hold-up play up until he went down rather easily, let's say, about six times. Um for players who could come in for the second leg, I think apart from Yeremchuk, who I just mentioned up front, who came on a sub, I think maybe you're looking at Jean Mario as maybe a second central midfielder instead of uh, Adel Tarabt. Beyond that, I wouldn't expect any changes at all if they don't have to. Yeah. Jean uh, 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 Mario, yeah. I, I, I think it'd be, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not really i've never really been 100 percent sure what it is that we have in uh, in adele tarapt obviously we all remember him from uh, earlier days uh, and i don't know i i, I, I st- i'm still not sure whether he's actually quite good or not i i i, I want to see more of him i guess is what i'm saying there um dave in terms of 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 that lineup that they started with We've already sort of spoken a little bit, and certainly before the mics went live, about um, Nunes, Darwin Nunes, and what he offers and can offer, and he's clearly their standout player. Um, but in terms of other lads there this evening who sort of put a bit of a shift in, I was quite impressed with the the right back Rafa Silva as well. I thought he did quite well, um, and you know the I think it was Ian Dark who was on commentary for BT, and he went on about. Um, two games I missed because of family dramas, uh, where against Ajax, he reckoned that both Vertonghen and uh, 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 Otamendi had been immense, I think was Ian's word, uh, in those two ties. Uh, I, I failed to see that, but uh, I, so I can't, I can't assess. What did you make of, of, of their showing overall tonight? And was there a standout for you as well, outside of any of the ones that we've brought up already? I thought Grimaldo did quite well up against Salah. I mean, you're never going to have an easy day against Salah, but I thought he stuck to the task fairly doggedly. Uh, I wouldn't agree with Ian Dark about Otamendi and Vertonghen against Ajax. Certainly not in the first leg. In the second leg, fine. They did play very well. In the first leg, Benfica's defence was a little bit at sixes and sevens. And if Ajax had been more clinical, they would have won the game comfortably. Um, Ramos like Carl said, I, I thought he played a little bit too deep for what his skill set is. I think there's more to come from him. He's one that can play more advanced. I was surprised that El Tarap started and I, I thought he was poor. I thought he was probably their worst player. 
Um, Gilberto did a good job at right back up against Luis Diaz and he had a lot of help from Rafa Silva and the two of them together do have a good understanding and they're dangerous going forward as well. So, look, I I thought they played well as a team. They were just outmatched. They were up against a much better group of players. Clearly none of those players get an R11. The only one that has the potential to do it is Nunes. Their centre-backs, when we were less predictable and we drew them out, we were able to get behind them quite easily. There's no real foot speed there. Vertonghen's never been quick. Otamendi's lost some of his pace and is a bit overly aggressive at coming forward for the ball, so he will leave space behind him. There's there's something to like about how they go about things and how aggressive they are, but at the same time, there's a ceiling on what they can be because there's just not a whole lot of really good players. I mean, the best centre-back they own is Lucas Ferrishmo, who's out injured at the minute with a cruciate ligament injury. Uh, no relation to the manager. Him, Grimaldo, Vagel, Rafa Silva, Everton and Nunes, I think, could all play in the Premier League. But at the same time, I think only Nunes could play for a top four team, like an every game starter for a top four team. I think the rest are somewhere in the mid-table and that kind of speaks to the gulf between where we are and, and what they are. And it's not their fault, it's just... The circumstances of where who we are as a club and, and what league they play in. Can we can we just take a minute there that Dave's just mentioned um, that very similar the manager and very similar the defender are not related to each other and and comment on BT kindly informing us that um, Gilberto first name of Benfica defender and Gilberto first name of former Arsenal midfielder are not related. <laughs> that, was, that was some stunning insight that they provided with us. Uh, well, I didn't well, actually hear them do the same thing when they discussed Steve McManaman and Steve Harkness earlier on in the programme. But it was nice to hear all the same. To be fair, I did see that Michael Owen continually referred to Thiago Alcantara as Thiago Silva and wondered if anyone had told our Thiago that he's been going by the wrong name for a number of years. <laughs> oh, God almighty. Oh wow, this is that's tremendous. Uh so <laughs> Jesus. Uh well speaking of Jesus, the uh the referee for the night was uh, Jesus Gil Manzano. He got the ball rolling um um in the first half. A, a, a very interesting uh looking fella is 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 uh young Jesus there. He uh has the head of what you could only call a trainee Garda. Uh, Dave, you'll be able to relate to this. Straight out of Templemore. Straight out of Templemore. He's going to be, he's a long career ahead of him, uh, chasing down uh, uh, kittens out of trees and uh, telling lads to cop on outside nightclubs. Uh, that's for sure. But the Definitely first half. Getting, getting posted somewhere like, you know, like Burr County, Offaly or somewhere. You don't want it to be too big of a place, but he'd be no, a straight no. lad for the miscreants in a town like Burr. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like a serious young man. Uh, on three minutes uh, in the first half, we have our first opportunity. It's a Sadio header, which is over the top after a great ball swung over by Robbo, to be fair. And uh, Luis Diaz looking quite bright in those early goings, um, getting on the ball and, and, and carrying it forward with that kind of intensity and intention that we like to see and that we've been so used to seeing since he's come to the club. Um, the unfortunately named Everton uh, closed down a Trent pass 
uh, and uh, that went out for a goal kick uh, soon after that. On seven minutes, there was another opportunity. Diaz puts a ball in, which just evades both Sadio and then Mo. Um, it's an unfortunate um, scenario because it was a good, decent bit of dangerous play and a, a really decent opportunity. On eight minutes, just a minute later, Sadio puts uh, Mo in with a beautiful back heel and he is just about getting there, gets a toe poke to the ball. Uh, to try to angle it past the keeper on the near post uh, in his usual mole position, but it's uh, deflected out for a corner. Um, we had, at that point, within the first eight minutes, I think, uh, or ten minutes at least, seen three separate overhit diagonal balls, one by Virgil, one by Thiago, one by Rabo, and you were kind of hoping at some stage, lads, to stop pinging balls over Mo's head, uh, and uh, that they'd start to find their marks. And in 11 minutes, uh, Trent... Helps the ball on to Mo Salah. And then Nabi Keita has a shot saved. And follows up with a cross. But it's kind of straight at the keeper. And you know we really do have our tails up. And it's quite dominant from the Reds at this point. 40 minutes. Another bit of decent build up play. And with a kind of tokenistic Thiago shot over the top. And then on 16 minutes. Carl. Uh, we are one up. Uh, it is Ibu Kanate. He's kind of on the 6 yard line to the right. Um, rises to head. Robbo's corner down into the ground and home. Um, it's a beautifully executed goal and it really sort of had the feel at that stage that we could have romped away with the tie. And that feeling, like I, I, both myself and David said, sort of stuck with me throughout the rest of the half and you were kind of expecting to continue into the second. But uh, a very dominant uh, uh, performance by the Reds in those opening 15 to 16 minutes. And it's no wonder, really. I think that's the eighth away win um for this team in a row which i believe is a club record uh which speaks i think a lot to what jurgen klopp is doing with the club just now yeah i think that's fair i mean i have to say that even before Kanate scored i was speaking in the build-up to the game with someone about joe gomez's performance um at the weekend, obviously, he had a very, very good game. He wants to be playing centre-back. And then after you have a good performance, he'd probably have been hoping, not not certain, but hoping that he might have been in with a shout if there was going to be a change of flipping from right-back to centre-back for this match. And then when Kanata comes in and has the first half that he did, I mean, it was it was very, very good. Even before the goal, I think there were three moments where you could see all of those really, really good attributes that Kanate has as a, a modern central defender, which are perfect for the way Liverpool want to play at the minute. There was one really, really good recovery run in behind Van Dijk. There was a, a foot race with Darwin Nunez, who was about two yards ahead of him at the start, and Kanate beat him and then outmuscled him. And then there was another lo lovely little tackle on the edge of the penalty box as well. Now, all of these things, we've seen them a few times with Kanate uh, across the season when he comes in in just for the odd match. And I think that that in itself is quite impressive that he can just pick up after, you know, two, three weeks on the sidelines and play the way that he does. But we also want to see that at the other end that he looks really, really capable of. He's very dominant in the air in terms of defensive duels and clearances and the rest of it. And he's not very good at all at directing headers usually in attack. He's even said this himself, you know, it's, it's something that he needs to improve. And when he came running through... Rue, uh, Everton, I think it was, um, for the for the header itself. I was expecting it to go about seven yards over the bar, to be honest, because his technique on the run is not always that good, but it was a great header, really good delivery, very, very good finish as well. 
And like you say, we were cutting them open several times, like for for really good one on ones or almost one on one chances that could have been a square ball. A couple of times, I think we floated a few crosses in that could have been played along the ground as well. And uh, it, it did look at that stage as though we could go on and maybe even finish it at, by half time. I just want to mention the, the Carl mentioned it there. The the one on one with Ebu and Nunes where the ball was played over the top and he goes stride for stride. And I mentioned this before we went live. Like the commentator just passed over that like it was normal. Darwin Nunes is an absolute beast. He's rapid quick and he's really strong. And Ebu matched him stride for stride, never even looked like he was struggling. And then just bullied him to the floor. And people just carried on like it's normal. And I'm sitting there going, D -d -d what have we just seen? If Virgil did that, it would be replayed endlessly. Like, I don't think people fully grasp just how special this young guy is. What is he, 21, 22? And he's already a match for one of the best young strikers in the world. We've seen him go into big games and just have very casual 8 out of 10 performances. I know he makes a mistake on their goal. But aside from that one mistake, which the one thing we know about him is he won't even think about his goal after that. He'll be so focused on that mistake and making sure that doesn't happen. But aside from that mistake, he's right in contention to be man of the match tonight. And that's stepping in after a couple of weeks sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. 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 It's 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 absolutely fair fair comment. And to continue the theme that's the that, that Carl's introduced there, I think if you and I take it through to pretty much the end of the first half, including our second goal, the proof of that particular pudding will be seen. But you have to hold your hand up as well and admit that there's at least one excellent chance um, for the opposition one half chance in this as well. So after Ibrahim Akinati's um, goal to pull us one up on 19 minutes, we see more excellent play by a possibly offside Sadio Mane, his cross should have been buried by Naby Keita, but his header was kind of poor in terms of the connection he makes with it. 22 minutes, the half chance I spoke of occurs where Everton broke down the left and hit the side rigging. Now, uh, Steve McManaman was very critical of Virgil van Dijk, who should have got closer, according to um, uh, Maka, uh, whereas it was patently obvious that he had gone to the exactly the right spot to close off any potential uh, shot across the bows, in my opinion. But, you know, what do I know? Maka is the man, after all. 23 minutes, we see a great move, which ends with a nabby through ball to uh, Luis Diaz and he uh, takes it in his stride and tries to dink it across the keeper but the keeper gets there it's a lovely bit of football lovely little move uh, almost perfect and on 27 a Robbo cross uh, just over uh, Mo's head uh, one of those ones you were chatting about earlier on Dave it's an open header for him he's only a few yards out but the ball's just a little bit too high and then on 32 minutes, that good chance that I spoke about is Otamendi, who should connect with a header from a corner. It's a great chance. He should bury it. Uh, he's kind of point-blank range-ish, uh, but he doesn't, and they don't. And within a minute, we're 2 nil up and it is Sadio Mane this time Dave uh, an outrageous diagonal ball um, from Trent from left to right picks out Diaz who's raiding into the box Diaz heads square and just back a little bit just enough to Sadio Mane to keep uh, who had kept himself onside and swept home 
it's an absolutely gorgeous goal a real just beautiful liverpool goal everything about it from the the gorgeous sweep of the pass to the expert execution of the assist and the finish just absolutely delightful to watch and uh, really uh, no less than this team had deserved for their performance in that first half i thought no, no less at all. They absolutely warranted the second goal. The football that Liverpool were playing was tremendous. We were starting to really see that midfield hum. Trent was getting more and more involved. Like you mentioned, there was the, the couple of headed chances. Um, Naby, if he was a couple of inches taller, he gets a far better connection with that. But Naby had twice in that opening spell just drifted into pockets of space in their box, completely unmarked. And it shows what, because of the movement of our front three and the other two midfielders, it shows what's there for an intelligent player who knows how to find space if they're willing to go and find it rather than waiting for the ball to come to them. So that was promising. The The goal itself, the, the ball from Trent is absolutely outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Uh, for so long now, we've been hearing about Harry Kane's passing and how is Harry Kane the best passer of a football in England are you people out of your fucking minds did you see what that young man from right back did today the two passes he played in the first half are among the five best passes I've seen anywhere in Europe today and he, uh, this season rather and he did them as casual as you like like that you mean the one ball, you mean the one on 44 minutes uh, for, for, for Salah Mal- yeah, oh, I mean that's outrageous. it's it's obnoxious how good it is. The one on the one for Mo, like he plays it over the top with enough backspin that as it bounces, it it dies and just sits perfectly for Mo to run onto. This one is absolutely perfect for Diaz and gives Diaz the decision to either head it on goal or to do what he did and just head it back across for Sadio it's absolutely outrageous how good Trent is and this is him coming back having just been quote-unquote injured for a couple of weeks like there's no way he's even 100% if he has had the injury and yet there he is playing passes like that like it's absolutely nothing and then like other people have been talked about as if they're even in the same stratosphere as him as a passer of the football There's, there's no one there's no one that can match him. He's 23 years of age and he's already in the upper echelons of the best right backs ever. He's redefining the position. He's by far the best in the game right now and he may well be the best long passer of a ball in the game today. Like There's some sensational passes around like De Bruyne and Cruz and Thiago but for a long pass, I don't think anyone is on Trent's level. The diversity of pass that he's capable of. Like from absolutely anywhere, he can just put the ball wherever he wants. And it looks easy for him. It's it's sensational. It's stupid how good this fella is. He has no rival in that category, Dave. No. Like in, terms well. of, in terms of long pass, no rival. And like I mean, it's not like his short passing is 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 anything wonderful as well. But yeah. there's literally nobody who can strike a ball with that technique. Uh, you look, anyone who's ever played the game is at any level, there's a real, you can see a real baller in the way that mm. they strike a football, the way they strike it, the way they make connection. This guy, it just, 
it's it's so so graceful his contact with the ball is always so graceful and so deliberate so yeah occasionally he'll get things wrong but when he gets them right they're so perfect like as you say passes die in front of strikers or they just hold up that perfect amount to let the lad get there in time it's 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 I, again, I, I just want to echo what you're saying. I hope people are really, really reveling in what we get to witness. We, We're getting we to see may this well guy. Be missing, we, sorry, uh, we may well be witnessing the early years of the greatest Liverpool player of all time. Like, I think he's already working his way into that conversation. Yep. Like, I never thought we would see an academy prospect, an academy talent, an academy player as good as Gerrard. And yet, for you know, for for the, the next twenty, thirty years, because Gerard was just so special. But Trent is already working his way into that. He, he is going to surpass Stevie at this club. He is going to retire as maybe the best player the club's ever had, and he's going to do it from right back. He's going to be the best academy product of all time. He is unbelievable, and he can do it till he's thirty five, thirty six. We could get another 13 years of this because it's so easy for him. It's it's actually disgusting how easy. Like you said, you can at any level you can just spot somebody who is too good for the players that are around. Trent is playing in one of the best teams in the world, week by week in the best league in the world and in the Champions League. And nine games out of ten, he is too good for the other players on the pitch. I, yeah. I I really don't think people understand how good he is, and people will knock him because oh Gary Neville says he can't defend. Who cares what Gary Neville says? Gary Neville had good centre backs carrying him up and down the pitch for years. He was garbage himself. Beckham spent most of his time at United stood on Gary Neville's toes doing his defensive work from. Like he doesn't get in the England team. Who cares? Who cares about Garrett Southgate? Fellow's a PE teacher. He was a failed Championship manager before he got the England job. Who cares if he doesn't put him in the team? The best club manager in the world right now, if he had one player that he could pick to bring to the next job he might take in two years, I will guarantee you right now it would be Trent. If Kloppo was to leave and go anywhere else and was told you can take one player, I guarantee he takes Trent. Yeah, it's a remarkable situation to find. Yourself sort of like obviously a a little bit sort of outraged on behalf of the player himself who for his own pride you want to see him being selected uh, for his country that in a simple way that's what you want to see but then every other party is screaming this is wonderful long long may it continue uh <laughs> i think the only thing that may go against us here is that if uh, big gaz southgate keeps saying some of the things he's been saying uh, there's a couple of fairly uh, disgruntled lads there in guitar he might be as well off stay away from any light aircraft for a while uh, gareth if he if he if he if he knows what's good for him because uh, there's definitely some ill will heading back his way uh, from what i can see of late in terms of the balance of that first half, um, there is a token Everton dig at Ali on 36 minutes. It's low, it's straight at him. And there is another good opportunity where Diaz cuts in on 38 minutes and digs one low and just wide. And that chance that Dave and I have spoken about where Trent plays that outrageous ball forward to Mo, who just can't seem to ease it past the keeper. And, you know... Carl, let me just segue into the second half by talking to you about something that's on everybody's minds and nobody's asking 
like there's no there's no correct answer here but i'm anxious to get a, a, your your take or your feel on it as you're watching mo at the moment there's not a lot we can do we have to keep playing him we just have to keep playing him the games are running out they're massive games we have to keep playing him and hoping that you know he's going to click back into primo mo salah he's just not there at the moment and things just aren't working out and he's just that half a half a, a pace short or uh finish just half a half a yard wide um in fact most of the shots that he's getting aren't actually getting to the target even at the moment a lot of block shots stuff like that as you watch him currently do you have a little bit of uh, anxiety around that because look we have plenty of other wonderful footballers that can always um, pull up a few trees if Mo's not managing it but what I would like to be seeing at least if the goals aren't going in is that his passing and contributions in that regard uh, go back to where they were and I'm just not sure any part of Mo's game is where it should be just right now all chat about why aside nobody needs to analyze that now we're just talking about the reality of our of our world right now which is there are four trophies that the reds could win we want all of the fucking trophies and if we want all of the fucking trophies we're going to need mo salah to be at his best do you see that as a remediable situation carl or is it just something that may not get right again because of all the football this kid has played you're a greedy man mr downey first of all, all yes i am yes i am good boy, good boy. <laughs> um look there are two things, right? First of all, there's Salah against the Salah that we saw in the first half of the season. Now, that was probably unsustainable because he was ludicrous. He was just unbelievable. He was a, not just a match winner on a nearly every single game basis, but some of the goals, some of the moments he had were like, if you saw them once in a career from a player, you would say that was like easily their standout moments and all the rest of it. And he was doing it like every two games at one point. He was ridiculous. But then there's just normal form, normal good Sally, you know, normal good Champions League standard footballers who we need at the club. And he is he is obviously on the ball below that level right now. Now, I, I don't think that he has to come out of the team or anything like that, but because of the options that we've got and because of the games that we have coming up now in the next, uh, literally the next week, Man City, Benfica, Man City, I think that there is at least not even necessarily a conversation to be had, but something to think about. And I only Jurgen Klopp can answer this because of two reasons. One, he's the only one who picks the team, that's obvious. But two, because he has a very uh, specific and a unique way of managing his players and his squad. And he has, for months and months at a time, backed Sadio Mane, backed Roberto Firmino when they're not playing particularly well, when they're not scoring goals, when they're not you know, racking up the numbers. And he will point to the fact that they're in the positions, the fact that they work hard off the ball, the fact that they are uh, undergoing their uh, tactical instructions from a defensive standpoint in terms of being in place to cut out the passing lanes and all that sort of stuff. I don't think that Salah is not doing any of that stuff. So I think that from a managerial or a coaching perspective, there's enough there to say that Salah is still doing a job, even if it's not the main job, which is him as a goal scorer and provider. So I don't immediately think that he needs to be out of the team for that reason. But on the flip side, Klopp is one of the most ruthless managers around. As nice as he is and as, as good a guy as he is and a, you know, a very, very good man manager, he's also ruthless. We've seen him take the captain out. We've seen him take 
players off when they're performing terribly. We've, we've seen him take all of the big names at the club off the pitch when he needs to, or just leave them out for a big game if he decides that that's what needs to be done. So I don't doubt that if he sees in training, if you know Salah's head is particularly down or the touch is you know, really, really poor between now and Man City, for example, I don't doubt that he'll bench him. And it's not just the ruthlessness, but the fact that all those times when he's backed Mane, when he's backed Firmino, we haven't had the depth in attack that we have now. You know, it's a world of difference saying Sadio will be all right. He'll get through this spell and not putting in a really, really out of form Divock Origi or uh, I can't even think of the other forward options he's had over the last couple of years. But, you know, we wouldn't have turned to them as starters if we didn't have to sort of thing. It's very different now. You know, even Jota, who I don't think is anywhere near as good as the the other uh, forward players in terms of their Link play, their one touch, their passing, their ability to open play with with switches, which are accurate more often than not, that kind of thing. We still know that he's a match winner. He can have a stinking game for 58 minutes and score twice after 60 and 62. That's what Jota can do. And yeah. in a game against Man City in particular, which is, but obviously there's still games to go after it and anything can happen, blah, blah, blah. This is the title, isn't it? Let's be honest. If we lose against Man City, that's probably the title gone. If we win against Man City, I think most Liverpool fans would back us to go on and win the title. So it's kind of the title here and now. And in those games, the very, very smallest of details can decide it. And that's not just in terms of do you score a goal or not, but do you concede a chance or not? And do you can do you cover all the spaces that you need or not? So... It's at the very least something for Klopp to think about, which when it comes to Salah is A, unusual and B, not ideal. I ultimately expect that he will start, but I wouldn't be entirely surprised if he was used in, let's say, the same way as at times Genie Wijnaldum was. Angry Genie off the bench in a couple of big games when he got left out to kind of make the point that your form has dipped or you're not quite there or you're not exactly on top of your game right now and maybe maybe away from home maybe he wants I don't know let's say Jota down the right for really really good working back and tackling all the rest of it because as you say Salah is at the minute some levels below where he's capable of being and if you only get 30 minutes of him in a burst off the bench maybe overall that is going to give Liverpool more output in this specific game than if he starts and doesn't play well for an hour It's a nice change though that we could leave Salah out start any three of Jota, Firmino, Mane or Diaz compared to four years ago when Salah went off in the Champions League final and the best option Klopp had on his bench was Adam Lallana to come around, come on and run around like a headless chicken for 65 minutes. Like the, the growth in our club and the development of our squad and the improved quality can be highlighted in just that. We've gone from having... Adam Lallana, a midfielder, to be kind to him, coming on for Salah, to now having a real conversation about, can we actually leave Salah out? And, you know, we do have the options to do that. Carl, you and I will just uh, begin the second half here, which begins with uh, a goal against us. Uh, uh, the first thing of note, 48 minutes. It is uh, Darwin Nunes. Um, Rafa Silva ball. Fairly basic thing for us to deal with. Low driven cross. Um, Ibrahima Kanate sort of gets his feet in the muddle. It goes through him and therefore finds its way to Nunes, who has a simple trap and finish past Ali. Um, 
you know, there's not much the keeper can do when you've got a striker standing square in the middle of the goal like that. Uh, it does come down to being uh, honest enough to say that it's a uh, it's a mistake. It's a it's 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 a it's a fault on Kanate's part. Uh, you know, uh, for whatever that that's worth. I suppose what's most disappointing about it is, I guess, those things can happen for sure, and. You could, you could. It'd be interesting to see what you think about how we responded to it. But it seemed to give them a foothold, and we seemed to get a little bit scatty and uh, less than ideal in our in our reaction to it. Talk to me around the goal itself, and if there's anything there that you know maybe earlier on could have been done differently. Should that cross have been blocked from Silva? What do you reckon? Um. Probably in midfield is where we should have ideally stopped that. Um, but there's no real reason to think that there was anything, any danger to come off that any more than there was in the first half. You know, it's one guy down the right-hand side and he's got to beat a defender, a goalkeeper and another centre-back in the middle to actually make that a perfect cross for a goal-scoring chance. It's unusual that that would end up in a goal and it was just just a moment. It was just a mistake. You can't, You can't and you don't need to stop every single attack that teams have. And so I think, you know, if we look at giving up possession a little bit easily in midfield or maybe not closing down the cross well enough by jumping in a little bit more aggressively, unless everybody else is in tune and that's how you do it normally, all you do when you make those movements is leave other spaces elsewhere, which can be more dangerous and give up more of a goal scoring chance than they otherwise would have had with just what was effectively a a bit of a nothing cross from the right hand side. Uh, I think it was just literally a, a moment of off balance and didn't quite get his feet sorted out and obviously he's gone with it from his left foot instead of his right foot as usual. So just one of those things, just a, a moment for a young defender and as good as he was in the first half, those are the moments of consistency and concentration which you have to have every single moment of every game, obviously, uh, at the very highest end to be a starter and to be a winner. You know, uh, Dave, if you're back with us, um, I've been desperately, yeah. tr- I've been desperately trying to think of how I could sneak in uh, some sort of a Darwin and evolution comment into my um, stuff here, and I'm not even going to do it. Uh, I'm just not going to do it. So I want everyone to know that that shit pun is going to be avoided, because what happens after that goal from Nunes, and he takes it very well, to be fair to the kid. Um, with great confidence is that you know i think there's a shot from him a couple of minutes later it's over the top and then on 54 minutes uh it's a kind of a weird uh, attempt at a header from him from another silver cross um and then we see tiago picking up a yellow on 57 uh 59 we need a great alley save from an everton shot after uh ibrahim and lost possession again just up uh, slightly advanced position on the right hand side uh, they attack and the Everton shot needs a good save from Ali um, which we've come to take for granted in such a on such a regular basis uh, and then on 60 those three substitutes that you mentioned come on it's Bobby Firmino Diogo Jota and Jordan Henderson for Thiago for Sadio and for Mo and you can see exactly what it is that Jurgen's thinking Right, even though it is two one, and we've started to cough up possession, and we've started to cough up a couple of opportunities, you can see what he's thinking. He's got to manage his squad. It's a massive game of the weekend. This is just what was going to have to happen anyway. Um, the choice of personnel to take on and take off. I'm interested to hear your take on that. 
Um, so let's just pause it there and get exactly that from you, because I think your take was that it didn't really have the immediate impact that we might want. We, we'll 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 see that more in terms of the match incidents. And just sorry to to go on a bit, but in the immediate aftermath, I very little in my match notes here. Except that on 62, that's two minutes after, Tarap takes out Nabi Keita. And then there's that whole, they want a penalty incident. And then on 69 minutes, they bring on Maite for Tarap. Nothing's happening, Dave. And even though I had the feeling, like you, that perhaps this was not what we wanted from these substitutions, you'd have to say that even though it was a bit of a nothing part of the game, they certainly had no impetus as a result of our substitutions. So at least there's that. They got a bit more drive through midfield. It became a bit easier for them to play through us because we only had two midfielders instead of three um, because one of our midfielders decided he was playing as a right winger. I saw some very, very silly lads who are the typical type of lads tweeting just before the substitutions, hopefully Henderson for Keita, the other one agreed, and then the first one said, Nabi proving he can't be trusted in big games again, right. uh, which was just a very bizarre approach to take. When the substitution was made, made they said Henderson was going to settle us down and keep the ball better. Uh, Nabi completed 92% of his passes on the night, as did Thiago. Henderson completed only 81%, and as we know, plays far safer passes. Um, Nabi had uh, 17 ground duels of which he won 10 Thiago had 8 and won 3 Henderson had 2 and won n- n- none of them uh, Henderson gave the ball away 11 times in 30 minutes Nabi gave it away 12 times in the 80 odd that he played 87, 88 and I think Thiago was uh, 10 times in the 61 minutes so Henderson giving the ball away more in half the amount of time than Thiago. So the idea that he was coming on to offer anything, I'm not really sure where it came from. He lost the ball three times in the first four minutes he was on the pitch. He just coughed it up and then played some shit cross into the box. And other than that, ran around a bit. Uh, Did play one really good pass late on for Jota, but that substitution didn't work. It weakened us in midfield. And I thought they got impetus from then. We had no shape and they found it a lot easier to play through us. They were able to get their transitions going a bit quicker. But they got tired is the simple fact of it. They got tired. It's very hard to play at our intensity when you don't have the ball. We had the ball for 66% of the game, which means for two thirds of the game, they were chasing round like blue arse flies trying to get the ball and then trying to very quickly transition into their attacking phases and that takes it out of your legs and obviously as we saw their manager only made three substitutions he didn't go for the five like ours did so I think their players got tired which allowed us to come back in I think we got a bit of an energy bump with Bobby coming on for Mane I thought Mane had started to look a little bit tired obviously the Senegal Egypt games were were very taxing on both him and Mo Jota for Mo wasn't really a surprise now I think I don't I agree with Lubo here in the in the chat. I don't think Mo played badly. Second half he he started to look a little worse. First half I thought he was absolutely fine. 
I think yeah, he misses. It's not, it's, it's, it's not even that though, Dave. It's not, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that he's playing badly. It's, it's this gray area where what I think what, 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 I, what I think I've been quite clear about what I've been trying to say. And I think, um, Carl, oh, no, well. you, you have, you and Carl have, but I think there's a, an overwhelming majority on social media that were saying during the game, oh, another Salah stinker. And I was watching it thinking, I, I don't know what you're really watching because he miscontrols two balls where he clearly puts his hand up to try and block the light from his eyes and he misses the chance. But it's not like it's an easy chance. It's a 1v1 with the keeper has an advantage on the angle. But I'll get more worried about Salah when he stops making runs, when he stops getting big chances. That's when I'll actually worry about Mo. If Andy Robertson hadn't skied his cross two and a half feet over Mo's head, Mo would have had a simple back post header after about 25 minutes and he would have scored... And I think the conversation around him, not what the conversation you and Carl were having, but I think the conversation in general would be a little bit different about Mo. I think, I think people have gotten, Mo is judged by a different standard than other players. Because we know what he's capable of at his very best, I think people expect that every single week. And as Carl said earlier, it's just not really sustainable. There's nobody bar Messi who does that, you know, for entire seasons. But I thought it was the right time to to take Mo off and you keep him fresh for the game at the weekend, whether he starts or he's he's wanted off the bench. Um so I thought those two subs gave us at least a bit of a bit more energy. Now again the commentator I was watching was just coming out with mad stuff and she said that this was the co commentator. She said that she was looking at some statistics earlier on and that uh, Jota and Firmino, no, sorry, Jota and Henderson were, and I quote, by far the best pressers in Liverpool's squad. Uh, well, I've double-checked that with Gags, who obviously is the the don of pressing, and Henderson's not anywhere close to being one of our best pressers. He's just middle of the pack. So I'm not really sure what where that idea comes from, but it is people like her saying that that gets that stuff repeated. It's people on other podcasts or on other avenues of, of media saying, well, Salah's stinking the place out, that feeds those nonsensical narratives that aren't really in keeping with what you're actually seeing on the pitch. Salah was fine today. Yeah, and and the and the and the, the point being that we need superhero Mo if we're going to win all mm. the four trophies. Yeah, and I want I want all the four trophies. So fucking let's get superhero Mo back. It's where we're going, I guess. But there are some bits left to talk about, and another goal at least as well to have a chat about, Carl. And you and I can take that one on. Um, there is a chance on eighty-one minutes. Uh, Henderson um, with Bobby Firmino inside him goes deep. With a cross to Diaz, where I guess if he had squared it across the six-yard box, it looks as if Bobby's got a tap in. Um, but he does a, a bit of a deeper cross to Diaz, and it's not a fantastic ball. And Diaz has to improvise with his left foot, if I recall correctly, and he kind of fluffs his lines a bit. Uh, we had the lovely spectacle of Ali sort of half Cruyff turning, half doing something else on Silva on 82 minutes and just about getting away with it, uh, which we could all have done without. On 83, Jota has a shot deflected over for a corner. 84, Trent, a shot deflected over for a corner. And on 85, they bring on Mario uh, for Ramos. 
two minutes later, we are two goals to the good again. And it is Diaz. Uh, I think he deserves it on the basis of his performance. I was really, really uh, impressed with this kid all night. Uh, Navi Keita drove forward brilliantly to take uh, um, opportunity that was present, uh, presented to him. Uh, I have to echo what Dave was saying. I can't understand how anyone could criticise that kid's performance. I thought he was great. Uh, he slides a through ball, which on first look, looks like it's absolutely world class on second on second look it does get a deflection off Otamendi uh, which brings it into the path of Diaz probably would have got there anyway from his original pass Diaz rounds the keeper and it finishes past uh, the wonderfully named Odysseus uh, to pull us 3-1 up the game isn't quite over and just stick with me because we just take the last couple of event incidents as well and, and get your take on the goal then and uh, the last part of the game uh, we bring on uh, Joe Gomez and Milner on 88 for Trent and Naby. There's a bad head clash between Otamendi and Fab that kind of has everyone worried on 89 minutes. And I think there's about five minutes or so taken up in the uh, uh, recuperation of both lads who both come back on. So it appears no harm done. Um, and then right at the death um 96th minute i believe perhaps into the 97th there's an opportunity for the tie to be effectively over and jota really should bury a, a beautiful through ball um executed by henderson to be fair uh and our, diogo should do much better it's it's like i know it's not it's not an easy chance but then again when you consider the kid that we've we're talking about here with his ability to finish and it really would have um, put the tin hat on the tie, you would imagine. Talk to me about that final sequence of the match, Carl, and the goal. And what I'll do then is I'll go back to Dave for his wrap-up thoughts and finish the show with you. And I quickly touch on the um, Henderson Jota pressing mystery tour. Oh, yeah, lovely. So uh, I wondered about that because nonsense springs to mind uh, initially when you talk about them being the best pressers. I know that both of them do it with intent and with vigour, but I wouldn't say that either of them win a huge amount. So I quickly went and had a look. Uh, I realised Dave wasn't exactly quoting here, so and by saying someone is the best is very vague and open as to what you mean by is the best, but it took me about two seconds to find out what this person has obviously done, and that is go to FBRF, uh, sort the entire squad by number of presses this season, and those are the top two. Uh, I don't think that number of presses made which is just applying pressure to to someone in possession, whether you win the ball or not, whether the team gets the ball or not. It's literally just making that movement, make, making that action. That's where Jota and Henderson are the top two. Actually, by uh, percentage of wins, they're 14th and 18th in the squad out of the players who you know, regularly play a, a certain bunch of minutes. So wow. definitely not the best, but uh, just the ones who have done the most. That's That's the only thing that I can think that was meant, just to clear that one up. Uh, Match-wise, I think there was a period there after they'd had that little, you know, exciting period and the crowd were getting all noisy and all the rest of it, and it looked like they were on top and stuff, and fine, they were for a little period, but I think by about 63 minutes, I think it was, we were talking about when we were watching, uh, we got the ball and didn't give it to them for about four minutes, and they didn't get in our half for that period of four minutes, and the crowd had nothing to do but whistle and then get bored in that four minutes period. That was a really, really important one for us. It was just after the subs, and we did keep giving it away from the subs. Dave's absolutely right about that. There was about three times in the first 
three or four minutes where very, very sloppily we gave it away with passes that didn't need to be made, crosses which were overhit and all the rest of it. But we also stopped them pouring forward in the way that they had been before that. Um, the last little bit of game, honestly, I, I think it was largely the same as the first half. We should have scored at least twice more. And there were opportunities like the Jota one was obviously the biggest one that we didn't score, which we should have done. And it probably would have, again, wrapped the tie up. But three goals away from home, even though you know away goals are no longer a thing. I think if you win, you score three times, you've got to be pretty happy with the night's work, even if there was a mistake, even if you conceded a goal, even if it wasn't all your own way, you're in a Champions League quarter-final. It's not going to be. I think you have to be pretty um, pretty hard-headed and pretty obnoxious if you just think that Liverpool should, at this stage of this competition, just dominate every single match and have it all their own way and just cruise through against every single opposition. That's just not going to happen. And so I think the third goal was definitely warranted. I think the two-goal margin of victory was the least that we deserved. And uh, overall, I'm very, very happy that Luis Diaz got it and also very, very happy that whoever threw some sort of pole at him did not have as good aim as Diaz did himself. Yeah, that was uh, that was a shocker and um, wasn't quite sure what I was seeing first time around. But boy, you could absolutely notice it uh, as we got a couple of uh, as we got a couple of replays. Um, you would like to think there might be a little bit of uh, an inquiry there as to how that kind of shit can happen. Um in a football stadium and maybe um, maybe something may happen as a result but we'll wait without bated breath on that one Carl I'll be back to you to finish Markle this. says it was a walking stick some walking poor stick. old fuck's going to be hobbling home tonight <laughs> leading to one side dancing around the streets <laughs> I there think it go. was the poles from the flags yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's so. It, they all look quite uniform. They did look like uh, flagpoles, but uh, that first one did look a bit heftier. I, I yeah, will admit. Um, so aerodynamic. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll 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 uh, we'll wait for replays. Uh, Batty and Sec Carl to finish off, and 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 Dave, I'll do exactly that job with you now. Uh, sum up thoughts, man. As we. Uh, as we follow this remarkable team of ours into uh, a- another second leg uh, in a high stakes European match with us ahead, uh, as we look forward to a weekend where we are facing the most sort of obnoxiously unfair uh, uh, challenge in football history with equanimity and great optimism. It's a wonderful time to be a red, you have to say. And we can't, like, for all that we might be quibbling about minor stuff, that's what we do here, as we're supposed to do on that post match show. The overall picture here is so fucking rosy, it's kind of hard to get your head around at times, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, entirely. I'm just watching a replay of the video of him, of the idiot throwing the stick at, at Diaz. And Bobby just sort of shakes his hand at him in a really camp kind of way. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, how could you not enjoy this season? Like, it's it's going to get stressful the longer it goes on, because the longer it goes on, the more possible a, a quadruple becomes. And it's never been done before. So, you know, it, it, it's just, it's a big deal while it's possible. But as I said with Gags recently, I think... If we win the FA Cup and that's it, I think that's still a successful season. 
if we win the league, that's amazing. If we win the Champions League, that's incredible. If we win two of the three, regardless, it's still it's going to be an incredible season for us. And the really exciting thing is that you can look at this team with Ali signed up long term, Trent and Robbo and Virgil signed long term, Ibu signed long term, Fab signed up long term. Now we'll see what happens with Naby in the summer. But Thiago has a couple of years left in his deal. Having all of them and Jota and Diaz long-term, knowing they're going to be there, knowing that Elliot's going to get better and better, and Curtis Jones and Costa Simicus and Joe Gomez and all these other lads, like knowing that we're going to have them moving forward is what is really exciting. It's not just about this season. It's about the longer view of keeping this club at the upper echelon of world football and been able to savor this, not just as a, as a fluke or a short, short term thing. This is something we'll be able to enjoy for years to come now. And I know a lot of people are panicking about Klopp leaving in two years, but it's, it's, he's not leaving and taking everybody with him. All the great players are still going to be there. He's going to leave behind an incredible team. He's not leaving behind the team he took over. He's going to leave behind the team that he's building and he's still building it. And that's the thing to, to remember. You don't just build a team and sit in your hands. Jürgen wants to further improve this team. He'll find ways to further improve this team over the next couple of years while he's still here. And, you know, we all hope he extends. But like this season's incredible and should really whet the appetite for what's to come over the next couple of years as well. Because whenever we had, you know... Whenever we had a really good team, when Gerard was in the team, you were always worried. Initially, it was, well, you know, if we don't win anything, Gerard might go. And then we win the Champions League, and then he almost left. And then after that, the next really good team had Mascherano, Alonso and Torres. And the concern always was, what happens when they leave? Like, they're going to leave, and then they all left. And then the next team was the Suarez, Coutinho... Sterling team and then they all left as well but now you can look at this team and you can really enjoy it because number one they've had the success they've won a Champions League they've won a league title they've won a league cup and all of them still want to be here like I know there's a contract impasse with Mo or whatever but he wants to be at the club the Egyptian Minister of Sports came out today and said that he advised Salah to leave and Salah told him his priority is to stay so these lads want to be here None of these lads are looking around, well, maybe one or two, but, you know, nobody who's in the top five or six or seven players at the club is looking around and thinking, I'd rather be there than here. Everyone who's really, really important to us only wants to be with us. We're no longer prey waiting for vultures to appear and snap up our wonderful little Brazilian or the manic Uruguayan or the rampaging Scouser. All of our lads want to be here. They want to have seasons like this. They don't just want to have this season. They'll want to do this again next season. And it'll just fuel the fire for them. If they win it all this season, I guarantee you they turn around next season with the same mentality of, well, now we have to defend it. Now we have to go again. Because we didn't get to defend our Champions League in fair circumstances because of all the COVID stuff that was going on. 
There was a lot of controversy around that second leg and there was also the Adrian factor. We didn't get to defend our league title properly because Virgil got hurt and then Joe got hurt and then Joel got hurt and we were rocking out to play teams with Nat Phillips and Reese Williams and Jordan Henderson at centre-back. So this time, they'll want to go and defend everything they win. And they'll have all the extra bumps and bruises and scars from having gone and won it a second time. Winning it once is one thing. Going and winning it again is even more impressive. If we pick off a Champions League or a league title this season, that just absolutely blows away any suggestion that we were a, you know, a flash in the pan and proves that Jurgen Klopp is not just one of the great managers, he's the great manager in world football because nobody else, I don't think Simeone could have done what he's done and I love Simeone, I'm his biggest fan. I don't think he could have done what Klopp has done at this club. I know Pep couldn't have done it because, well, I mean, he wouldn't have got 200 million to spend on fullbacks for a start. Jurgen Klopp is one of one, truly, truly special man. And all of this is about his legacy, the legacy he'll continue to create next season and the season after, and the legacy he'll want to leave behind, which is for his team to go on and be successful. You look at Bob Paisley, and much of the success in the early era of Paisley was attributed to Bill Shankly because of the foundations that Shankly left behind. I think Klopp will want to do similar. So, I'm just, I'm so excited with the rest of the season. And then obviously, as I said, what, what we can accomplish over the next three, four, five years as it stretches out in front of us, this is not going away anytime soon. No, it's a fucking era, man. It's an era and, yeah. and, and, and we're, we're into it, but it's also not ending, as you say, anytime soon. And what's also not ending anytime soon is your ongoing podcast. Let the folks know what they've got to listen to from yourself over the next while. For example, I do know that you and I and Harry are back for the city game um, mm. at the weekend. And then it's a return of the tree, the trio from tonight, myself, yourself and Carl for Benfica home. But outside of that, what else have you got? Uh, two-footed pod every day at 4pm, daily red every day at lunchtime. Uh, I am scheduled to obviously be on raw like you said however i do turn 40 on friday so i might have to take to the bed and cry to myself for a fortnight or two so that's our, that situation remains fluid and um, there'll also be a scouted with carl ahead of both uh city and then watford we might i said it's watford city and then the benfica second leg Tremendous uh, commiserations on, on, on that milestone, uh, brother. I, we all feel your pain. Uh, I feel it more than, I, I feel it eight years more than you do. So uh, you'll be all right. Uh, Carl, what about last minute thoughts from yourself then just to finish up the show? Um, any sum up ideas and exactly the same thing at the end and anything you've got that you want to give a shout out to, please do. Uh, like I said, as good as we could have hoped for, I think a win, a comfortable lead, take it back to Anfield where we are generally very, very good. Although, of course, we are on a current run of one defeat in a row in the Champions League at Anfield. So let's get that right <laughs> for starters. Yeah. Um, a couple of stats from the game, I suppose, because that's just what I do to wrap things up. Um, usually in games where teams have lots and lots of possession, you see it recycled along the back and the centre-backs tend to have the most touches of the ball. That's you know the, the usual way it goes. 
Today, just to underline what Dave was speaking about earlier, the man with the most touches on the pitch, a whopping 106, was a certain Mr. Naby Keita. Uh, very, very few times he lost the ball, misplaced passes, got tackled a couple of times, I think, but you know, nothing too major if he's trying to uh, break lines and open up play in the way that he did. Of course, does still claim an assist despite that very slight deflection on the pass and uh, more shots than I remember him having for quite some time as well. So an overall very, very good performance. And I think Jürgen was particularly pleased by his uh, display, judging by post-match stuff as well. Um, only other statistic I will say for tonight was, again, to echo what was spoken about earlier with Trent's passing. Uh, always very, very good. And like you said, decent with the short-range passing as well. But long balls, those switches of play that we love so much, 11 out of 13 accurate tonight. He's not just good at what he does. He's just ridiculously consistent with them as well. Um, hopefully that is a good sign of what's to come in the next few weeks because when Trent is on form, Liverpool generally do very, very well. And these are big, big games which are going to define just how good this season is. Uh, for me, I've just posted one in the Discord group, but I've done a piece tonight after the match on Mohamed Salah and the question of what we need from him, what's Klopp got to be thinking about now ahead of Man City and the games which are to come. Uh, I will be on scouted ahead of the Man City game and again before the second leg against Benfica. Uh, thank you. Thanks to Marco for doing the first leg with Dave and myself as well. And uh, yeah, I'll be back on Raw for the second leg as well next week. Two weeks. Tremendous. Um, lots of stuff for you to get your ears around from both Dave and Carl. Make sure you do. I can't recommend those two boys uh, to you as uh, enough, especially uh, when they're working in tandem. Great shows as ever and um, informative. To those of us who perhaps don't get an opportunity to see as much football as the two guys do, I always love to listen to them um, assessing and weighing up our potential opponents. Um, I find it in both informative and entertaining, so make sure that you give your ears uh, over to whatever they're doing whenever you can and reading Carl's stuff whenever you can as well. We will be back, like I said, every few days from now on because that's how good our team is because we're in everything. We're in it all and we continue to be winning games and then long may that continue. I hope the next time I'm chatting to you it'll be a better win as well against Manchester City. How sweet would that be? How real would things start to look? How much crystal would things start to appear if we can get that one over the line as well? Regardless, we'll be here with you to talk you through it, as we will for every game between now and the end of the season. And hopefully at the end of it, we'll be chatting about the four trophy reds. Thanks to all our Discord uh, community who've been chipping in all the way through. Really appreciate you folks. Nice to follow the chat as we go. Uh, always informative and spins our chats a little bit in terms of reacting to it and especially if you put in anything sort of factual or information based it's always good as well we can uh, react to that in the real time as well massively appreciate you and all who support Anfield Index Pro in any way I've been Trev Downey you heard Dave Hendrick you heard Carl Magic Guy Drinkle as always is producing wonderfully in the background we'll be back with you very very soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now 
at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.